Asalakaya Chakshurunyaditamyena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Adinulam Dita Bujo Kamakabodato Sankirtanai Kapitolo Kamalaya Taksho Vishwamboro Dvijavoro Yugadharma Palo Vande Jagat Priyakaro Karunavataro Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityanando Sodito Gurudai Pushpavanto Chitrasando Damanuno Vande Ham Shri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charanasako Sukkado Paramanando Sundaro Subhalapriyo He Krishna Karunasindo Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopisha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namusite Tapta Kanchana Gurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Shri Gauri Vaishnapuru Parampara Ki Jai Shri Shri Gauradha Madhav Ki Jai Bhaktabhanda Ki Jai Bodh Premanandi Evening Is that better? Like that so any questions tonight? Yes. Is or do we do I need ego to experience and comprehend reality in this material world or is one able to live in this material world without ego, meaning without the mechanism of the mind that generates the thoughts and emotions that help us to understand our reality or our life? Like, is ego meant to be is a component that we need to process this life? Or can one essentially live in this life without the functioning of ego, without using thought and emotion to understand themselves and those around them and the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand your question. The term uh, that is used, the Sanskrit term for ego is ahankar. Ahankar, kara means to make. Aham, I means, aham means I. So it's an I maker, it makes an I. Hmm. Um, and I means an identity and um, we're talking about ego in this sense in a metaphysical sense that uh, there is a sense of I that is a result of identification with the material nature that that we, independent of that I, turn on, so to speak. Um, I've given an example before that if you turn on the television, you're the viewer, 
then the show comes on and it's entirely dependent upon you but it may take over your life and you may project yourself into it and feel the emotions in the show and uh, perspire in fear um, and and your heart may beat fast during the race and and you may shed tears when everybody lives happily ever after and so forth. So kind of emotionally you get projected into the show and the fact that you're sitting in the seat becomes uh, lost and so on and so forth. I'm just giving an example. So our material identification is something like that. We kind of project ourselves. We, we turn the show on and a virtual reality is created and we kind of live within it. Hmm? And the identification that is the uh, hunkar, your ego, gives us an identity in that world, so to speak, mental, emotional identity, hmm? sense of self. Um, <clears throat> and, um, and through it, as you say, we kind of feel and know and experience uh, the world. But at the same time, we are independent of that as a unit of sat, chit, Ananda, and it has a sense of I. Hmm? The false ego, the material ego, the ego that I, the, of sense of identification with matter, I often have said, works something like this. It causes us who to think, I am this or I am that. I am Afro-American. I am Asian-American. I am Caucasian. I am male. I am female. I'm young, I'm old, uh, I'm this or I'm that. In all of this and that, the changes, it's in flux. Hmm? There's something that remains constant. So if I think I am this, and then I think I am that, and then I think I am this, and then that, this and that is always changing. I think I'm a young man, I now I might think I'm an old man. That's changed, right? So the this and the that connected to the I am is always changing, right? I am this or I am that. The identification with this and that, that's the material ego identification. Now, while that's constantly in flux, that identity is constantly changing, and thus, thus it feels threatened, and it should. Hmm? because it won't endure. I think I am this, I'll turn into that. Hmm? I might go back to this, go to another that. So, if this and that, and I am this and I am that, it's always changing, what's remaining the same? I am this, I am that. I am this, I am that. I am this, I am that. What's changing is the this and the that. What's remaining the same? The soul or I am. I am. I am is remaining throughout all of this is and the that's the change, right? This and that is changing, but that I am is not changing. Hmm? Right? So there is a self. Hmm? But it's not this or that. But it's identifying with this or that, and that is a false kind of construct. Hmm? Uh, through which we function in the world and experience it, uh, something about it. 
we're experiencing something about it. We're knowing something about it. We're tasting something about it. We're hearing something about it, what it sounds like, what it tastes like, what it smells like. But we think with a mind, it's like, and so forth. So you're talking about functioning in the world and, and, and knowing and being dependent on the this this false I, this e- egoic I, and, and asking whether we're dependent upon that to function in the world. The question is, how well are we functioning in the world based on thinking I'm this or that when I'm not this or that? It may appear that we're we are functioning, but we might be missing a whole huge dimension of what's really going on. Hmm? In other words, the fact that I am, and that remains constant, is also a reality. But that's lost in identifying with this or with that. Hmm? That's obscured. If I can stop identifying with this or that, what I am, the I am, surfaces that is a huge part of life right that's the viewer in my example I just realized hmm I could turn this TV off and there's other things to do hmm. life is bigger than this small picture of of the world that I've gathered from this through the filter of the senses for example I I, I I hear what the world is like. I see what the world is like. I smell what the world is like. I taste what the world is like. But really, do I? Hmm? Is there a taste to the world? And if there is, how much can a three inches of six inches of tongue you know, do justice to it? Hmm? Uh, you know, you've got certain taste buds. There are other species probably that have taste buds that you don't have. Hmm? So, you had to put all the tongues in the world together, hmm? and still, will you taste everything that the world tastes like? Will you be able to hear? We have ears, we can hear. We think certain sounds are beautiful, certain sounds are bad, and certain sounds we don't hear at all. That the dog hears, and runs, right? So... You're talking about functioning in the world and experiencing it, but the question is, how well are we even functioning in the world based on that egoic material identification? How much of it are we experiencing? How much is our ears doing justice to the sound of existence, our tongue to the taste of existence? And indeed, is the tongue tasting? Are the ears hearing? Are the glasses seeing? Are the eyes seeing? Or am I the seer, the taster, the smeller, the experiencer? Hmm? Matter is experienced. I am an experiencer. How different is that? Pretty different. If a reality is only an experienced reality and has no experience of itself or anything else. And another reality is an experiential reality. These two are vastly different. Do you understand? Hmm? 
So, a tongue, a nose, eyes, a brain, hmm? these are all experienced things. Hmm? I, on the other hand, am the experiencer. So it's not that my eyes see and my ears hear, but that they get in the way of my seeing and they get in the way of my hearing, the tongue tasting, the nature of being, the nature of of reality, hmm? the nature of the here and the now. Hmm? So yoga and spiritual practices is about not relying upon these instruments for arriving at an informed understanding and experience of the world we're in right now. Hmm? So if we can use those same senses, hmm, rather than for trying to imperfectly know the world and use them and the mind to turn within as tools hmm, to know the self, hmm, then if that I that doesn't go away it's different from that I am this or I am that, it's I am, hmm? is brought into the picture, then you tell me, what will be your capacity to function in the world hmm? based on having awakened, so to speak, that real I and dismantled the egoic I? I mean, look at look at it. For example, let's say you have an Afro-American eye. You've got a, I don't know, I, what a, I, Greek, Greek eye, right? Greek-American eye, identity, right? So on. What this eye, does this eye facilitate you experiencing in the world, or does it limit you? It, it, it gets in the way, really, of getting closer to other people and what they're like, and so because it's it's it creates differences. This and that in my my example are all the differences. The I am remains the same. If we come to identify with the I am that doesn't change, if you, you do and you do and you transcend your Afro-American and Greco-American, you know, heritages and identities and and cultural sensibilities and so on and so forth well you've just like gotten a lot closer to one another in ways that those identities false identities would 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 uh, uh, not permit hmm? so it's not like the there's a worse spiritual world over here and a mature world over here it's all here and it's all right now so to speak hmm? and the ego the false ego is getting in the way you're asking if without the false ego by which I experience the world, can I experience the world hmm? and function in it? Hmm? And I'm saying you're not functioning in it with that ego. You're 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 in a very uh, kind of uh, inhibited, flawed uh, position. You're not seeing the whole picture, and and therefore you're you're not functioning. You're, you're not functioning in it. Now that said. If you come to the I am, rather than I am this or that, through yoga, through spiritual practice, through bhakti, hmm, 
in particular, then then some people may think that you have done something that will inhibit you from functioning in the world. Hmm? But their picture of the world is a small picture. Hmm? You're stepping into a larger picture. Hmm? So, for example, you start to identify with I am rather than I am this or that through genuine spiritual practice, and then many of the things that people are, that the world's about and people are interested in and so forth, you may lose interest in. Hmm? And people say, well, God, he's kind of like, can't function in the world. Or he, you know, he's not. So in one sense, you won't be able to function in the world, but you'll be functioning in a bigger picture of the world and you'll look like a freak. You know, <laughs> maybe, you know, the mystic looks like, you know, we don't know what this guy's about. You know, he's just sitting over there and, uh, you know, omen away and uh, and uh, trying to get away from it all and, and so forth. And uh, and uh, and may even think he doesn't care because he, he's not concerned about um, this problem or that problem in the world. Meanwhile, the fact of the matter is he's plumbing the well of unlimited compassion because he sees the plight of everyone, hmm? preoccupied with symptoms and treating them without understanding the disease. They have no comprehensive solution to the problem. Hmm? He, he experiences, she experiences universal compassion, which is certainly laudable and uh, uh, ideal and so forth. So the saint, actually, the, who, who, who has the courage hmm, to efface the material ego hmm? um, arguably lives in and experiences the world uh, more for what it is, what its prospect is, what his or her potential is, and so forth, um, in a way that, that, that vastly exceeds the experience in the world based on these, uh, this small sense of identity, which can change. At any at any moment, hmm? I mean the perspective that I, when I think I'm this or that, have hmm? of, as to what's important, what's valuable, and so could could change uh, diametrically uh, with a change of bodies, for example. Hmm? You get another body, reincarnation. You get another body. The things you liked previously, you could hate in the next life. Hmm? And argue. You could become a conservative in one life, and a, and a, and a, and a, and a liberal in the next. And uh, and uh, and as far as uh, um, we, you know, as far as transgender goes, we are transgenderists. I mean, we're saying changing your gender is not only all right, but it's going to happen. <laughs> You're going to get a different body. You could get a man's body, you could get a woman's body, and, and, and so why make a big deal out of it if somebody does it ahead of time? You know, <laughs> pick one and stick with it. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of and it, 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 pick one that gives you enough balance hmm, materially to do something more important. Hmm? Do 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 spiritual practice and so forth. So I think that the the spiritual tradition tries to bring us into a bigger picture.
of what the world is. Now, that said, yes, um, it's also possible that one can transcend the material ego and, um, I, I want to say, fully function the world in a certain capacity. You know, from that perspective, it could be a, could be a great teacher, for example. Um, might not be involved in, in this in the day to day that everybody's involved in, but a teacher is an important uh, uh, component of the world, right? We have them in all fields of knowing. Hmm? Um, so, a teacher about the nature of the Atma, a teacher about the nature of the ego, and so forth, is an important person in the world. So, that in one sense, they can really fully function in the world in that uh, capacity. Hmm? Uh, and so, therefore, we have uh, a good amount of uh, literature, sacred texts, and so forth, that have been composed by uh, great saints speaking about the world from their vantage point and how to arrive at that vantage point and the advantages of it, and so on and so forth. So, in another sense, they such persons are really functioning fully in the world, again, in the capacity of... Of teachers, so I think the answer to your question is, is uh, well, I've given a long one, but yeah, but it's but it's 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 yes, and then you know, read the footnotes. Hmm? Yes. Um, now that said, obviously, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. That your material ego is going to be effaced and dissected, dismantled. Um, and and it and the self is going to come out, but the the true self. But um, to understand the argument, to identify with it, to associate with persons um, involved in that, can facilitate you in moving away from the false ego towards the real ego, and in the meantime, functioning through the medium of your false ego with theoretical knowledge as to what it is. It's a construct and, and, and so forth. And not in being as invested in it as most people are, lost in it, so to speak. Um, you could be lost and you could be found but still be quite a distance from being home. Hmm? Right? So the sadhaka spiritual practitioner is no longer lost. He or she is found, but there's still a distance from home. So they're still functioning in the world in consideration of the kind of provisional uh, and provincial sense of self, egoic sense of self, but fully informed theoretically as to its nature and so forth, and and so they're in a kind of an in-between position. They're not lost to the, to the and absorbed in the false identity, and 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 they're just riding on the, the the tsunami of ups and downs, emotions, and so on and so forth. Um, neither have they entirely dismantled the false self, but they're in process, and they can live in the world and and experience it, function in it, through the false 
ego, but but through an informed one, so to speak. So they're kind of in a third uh, 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 position, and therefore there's some uh, space, room, or time um, involved in, in, in spiritual practice to arrive at the position of being a mystic, being a saint, uh, being a realized soul, and so forth. And this is time well spent in, in spiritual practice. Uh, there's a way of, uh, if let's say, for example, I'm in a drama, okay? Let's just use this example. I'm, I have a role in the drama, and I gotta, I'm a good guy, you know, okay? I got a black hat, and I'm a good guy, okay? In the drama. Now, I could get lost in the role entirely in a way that would be, you know, the best actor gets so lost in the role that, you know, he starts taking on the, the symptoms and so forth. But for the most part, people know that it's just a role, right? In the drama. And then they play the role really well. Hmm? Because they're in the drama, but never without awareness that they have another life hmm? that's bigger and larger. Hmm? So the sadhaka lives in the world like that. He or she knows, I'm not this body, I'm not Gre- Greco-American or Afro-American or Polish-American, whatever it is, um, American, Native American, I'm not this or, or that man or woman, but I've got, this is a role that I have now, it's a karmic role, and I'm trying to, like, get out of the drama gradually here. And so I could even be, I could even be fully functioning in the drama hmm, without any attachment to it, going through the motions, responding to it appropriately, um, but at the same time, um, Doing that kind of as like a like a second nature, it's kind of automatic and setting a good example in in the drama. And meanwhile, my absorption, my preoccupation, is otherwise. Um, the learned uh, and venerable Baldev Vidyabhushana has uh, spoken about this idea and um, given a term, parinishta. Nirapeksha and Parinishta. The Nirapeksha means Nirapeksha means a, a renunciate, a sannyasin, a tyagi, um, who's like apparently not in the world, in the world, but you know only meditating, teaching, something like that. Hmm? Not married, no relationship, no job, that kind of thing. Fully, fully. Involved in, in in the spiritual culture, and then there's the parinishta, who typically, for example, is 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 in the world. Let's say, which largely means to be married, or have a partner, to have a job, and all of those those things. Um, that's pretty much the norm, and uh, and and uh, and if it's a heterosexual relationship, there's often children and all that stuff. So. They're involved in all those things, but the parinishta, but their real preoccupation is with hearing, chanting, 
internally, hmm? they're play, out externally they're playing the role, and even while playing the role, they're thinking, this is a role, this is a huge crisis. Oh, hmm? it's a huge crisis, but it's really not a huge crisis. It'll pass, and there's something more. So he or she, the Parinishta devotee, is 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 a is an Ananya Bhakta engaged in exclusively in bhakti, but playing out the role, the karmic role. And of course in the Vedic society, the different uh, modes of nature, the way they influenced people would determine different types of uh, um, um, preoccupations and, and, and so forth. And then there were certain rules that governed those, the sudras, the, the vaishas, the uh, the, the the Brahmins and so on. So they would live by all those rules perfectly, set a good example for others, uh, be a good whatever, doctor, lawyer, uh, priest, and so on and so forth. But meanwhile, within, hmm, at the same time, they were uh, preoccupied with bhakti. So that's an interesting... Uh, and they're, they're moving in the direction of the, of the Nirapeksha, Gradually, hmm? and so they're functioning in terms of the this or that ego, but as I say again, in an informed way, like someone could function in a drama and get really worked up about it—the the role and this and that—and then the scenes cut, you know, and he's chanting Hare Krishna, <laughs> you know, and 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 that's where his mind is going, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we did this, and I get the kids to bed, and then, and Hare Krishna, <laughs> or whatever. And I get this his fun time, you know, in between is for reading, for chanting, for hearing, associating with devotees. He's living for that, and meanwhile, he's he's dutifully, not negligently, but dutifully performing the other duties of the of the of the of the ashram and the, of his her occupation, and and so on, and the fruits. The, which is in the form of time, right, or monetary um, results and so forth, beyond the need for maintaining the situation. That's that's a fun money. It's used for for the what's fun for them, which is Krishna consciousness. Hmm? So they spend it on printing books, on on on. Um, uh, uh, <coughs> funding the. Uh, the, excuse me, the purchase of many foodstuffs for for the festi- for a festival, something like this, this is their joy, hmm. something like this. And then then they have this this really nice relationship with the renunciates, hmm. back and forth, and the renunciates speak and teach, and they provide the funds for the for the gathering, for the place, and for printing the talk into a book and so forth. So. So there's a situation where the, the false ego kind of re, kind of is kind of theoretically uh, dissected, and but it's it's, it's held in place, hmm? nonetheless as an act, hmm? something like that. And, uh, and and this is of course in the context of bhakti. This is the power of bhakti that, that one could be in such a position as a householder, for example. And there are many. Many, many examples of great devotees who are householders. Now, you know, yoga is an art, so it's easy to say in either case. 
bhaktis to talk about being a, a yati, the sannyasi, or talk about being this bhakti vinod esque type of householder, but you know, not easy to do in either case. Hmm? In either case, still, that's what we're doing, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's certainly worth the effort. So it's a long answer, but um, yes. What else? I read online um, someone wrote that a perfected devotee who apparently seems angry or mean at times um, or often is a showcase of one that found spiritual perfection without finding material emotional balance. I don't know if that was a well, I think um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call that a, a comprehensive uh, statement. Um, you could uh, very well find in our tradition a perfected saint that is becoming angry for reasons that are entirely transcendental. For example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was young man. 24 years old, 23 years old, and and teaching. Hmm. And at the same time, he was uh, manifesting his devotional life. And in his devotional life, he became absorbed, and he, he started explaining every word in Sanskrit um, to be an indicator of Krishna. Hmm. All the, taking all the... the the verbal roots and explaining how they all speak about Krishna, so the students started to think he was like a little, a little out, of, out of out of balance, and then they found him chanting Gopi, 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 and so they said, you know, really Nimai, you shouldn't be chanting Gopi, Gopi, Gopi. You should be chanting Krishna, 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 because if you chant Krishna's name, you'll become pious, and. Chanting Gopi, Gopi, Gopi is kind of weird. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu picked up a stick and chased them, became angry, started to beat them. So you could say, it looks like he like transcended, but he didn't become emotionally balanced. But what was happening was he was absorbed in thoughts of the Leela and Krishna and the, was arguing with the Gopis. Right? And he took the gopi's side. And he was chanting, gopi, gopi, gopi. Hmm? Meanwhile, somebody else comes along and says, you shouldn't be chanting gopi, gopi, gopi. You should be chanting Krishna Nam because then you'll become pious. And it's a Nam Aparad to think that the chanting of the name is merely something by which you can become get good karma. Hmm? So on the grounds of Nam Aparad and on the one hand and not understanding his absorption in the Lila, he came out and, you know, kind of manifested a, a Nishringa type of <laughs> response to them. So it's uh, not a very um, comprehensive um, answer on on the one hand. Why a transcendentalist, you know, we may have our perspective why a mystic becomes upset, angry. Um, we may... Th- have an idea of how things should be conducted and how we should be taught and uh, and so forth and he or she may 
have a different angle of vision from which they're speaking. And uh, you, know, you don't always understand if a blind man, a blind man, hmm, shouldn't complain about being taken by the hand and guided on a walk in the sun, which is too hot. Hmm. When he doesn't realize that on the shady side of the road there are thorns. You understand? Hmm. So, without seeing the whole picture, hmm, we can make judgments about a transcendentalist, but if he or she is actually well-situated transcendentally, it's very likely that they're seeing a bigger picture. There were thorns on the shady side. You're blind, you couldn't see it. You understand, right? Hmm? No. So I, I would... Um, That's kind of the, you know, the higher side of it. Um, the question then is that can someone become transcendentally situated without becoming materially well balanced, right? Um, and that, that of course, that may be questionable. What it, what it means to be materially well balanced? Uh, we, we come up with a certain idea about that. Some of the things seem very, very valid in, 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 in a sense, um, um, but it uh, you've got to go to core issues there. Um, um, I mean, I um, once was in a temple, and um, I was kind of in a provisional way put in charge of this temple, and there were some ethnic Hindus who were members of the temple who were on a board um, and they had a meeting and I was asked to go to the meeting and in the meeting they wanted to do something with the temple which it just was not what the temple was was for and so forth and I forget the details but anyway I gave an impassioned talk and it appeared to them that oh Swamiji's getting angry very bad Swamiji should not get angry hmm? he's becoming angry very bad. Hmm? Hanuman was pretty angry with with Ravana. He burned the whole city of Lanka, set it on fire. Hmm? So there is transcendental anger and so forth. Now you may, I mean, I don't know the incident, incident but I guess, the, again, the question is, could somebody be materially angry hmm? and be transcendentally situated? It seems unlikely because material anger really comes from the frustration. It's a manifestation of the frustration of material identification. Hmm? You understand? Um, and not having one's, you know, material needs met, basically or not being able to be in control enough or whatever. Um, so the other side of it is you may think someone's transcendental and they may actually not have harnessed 
their 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 anger and calm crowd loba vachu vegam manasakroda vegam jibha vegam udurapasta vegam etan vegan yo vishahita dira sarvam apimam pitibim sasishat this is the first verse of Upadeshamrita Rupa Goswami says um, that words, mind, anger, the tongue, the belly, the genital, one who is conquered over these things is fit to be the teacher of the world hmm? because everybody is under the grip of these things. So so um, it uh, seems like a wrong kind of thinking that you could be transcendentally situated and materially angry. Hmm? There is spiritual anger, and um, we might misconstrue also someone to be angry when they're not. Someone can use temper and not lose temper. Um, but then again, someone may lose their temper, and and they may not be that well situated transcendentally they may lose their temper and that would be a sign of of that they still might be advanced and so forth but might uh... so i mean basically anger is because again your your senses aren't gratified or your sense of how things should be uh, uh, independent of the spiritual perspective right could, or anybody could be sadhu could be angry about um, with the behavior of the disciples or their um, any number of things in a spiritual context. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think that uh, that the uh, spiritual culture is an, is an excuse for not being a a, uh, a controlled person. I mean, that's what it's all about. Again, I said it in Pishamrita. The guru controls the, the anger, the tongue, the belly, the genitals. You could say the same thing then. You could say, well, he's fully transcendentally situated, but he didn't overcome lust. Does that make any sense? Hmm? And so he's fully transcendentally situated, but he, he does succumb to lust sometimes because he didn't get, uh, you know, he didn't uh, work through it in, 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 in youth or something like that. <laughs> I mean, this is, so Rupa Goswami has put anger in there along with lust as much as he says mind, anger, words, tongue, belly, and genitals. Hmm. So you can't control your genitals. Well, you can't control your mind. Hmm? And you can't control your your the forces of the forces of anger. So now, again, we're talking about in a core way. There may be psychological, sociological sensibilities and so forth that a sadhu may not um, conform to entirely, which are somewhat relative. Hmm? And could could change, and and he or she may also react based on information about the world and 
in the times in which we live, and, and, and so forth. Um, then some sadhus may be more um, informed about the currents of thought than others. You know, like I've met, I've met sadhus in India who would never been to America, never heard of the internet or, or anything like that or, you know, and whatnot. And, uh, for example, or before the, there was such a thing and, uh, and, um, they were well situated transcendentally, but they were under the impression that every woman in America was a prostitute because that they'd heard that. And I thought, well, she's, I mean, you hear about their hellish planets or all kind of, you know, so they had, they didn't want to go to America. It sounded like a really bad place over there. And they kill cows, and it's unbelievable, I thought. How could, how could it possibly you know, be? And all the women are prostitutes, and, and this and that. And So, you know, then they might respond like that. They might say, they say this guy, you know, he's not very enlightened, you know. No, he's just um, responding based on information that, that he or she has received might look out of balance, for example. Like, that's weird, you know. Um, so not everybody knows everything about the world, and nobody ever will. We could know it in a nutshell, what it is, and that's the, the attempt of the transcendentalist to, to comprehendly, comprehensively know it, which transcending it constitutes understanding it. You understand a thing, you've, you, you're above it. Hmm? So what it is and all its details and how it will play itself out in every situation and so forth and what would be the best way to function in every situation, you don't know that till the situation arises and then it's a, it's a crapshoot right there, you know. Vote this way or that way or, you know, um, and so forth. It's all relative. But the, the transcendentalist approach is to go to the core. What's it at, at the core of the material existence? And know it in that way and know, as we said earlier, I'm not this or I'm not that, and pursue the transcendence of the world. Hmm. Um, so, does that help? Yeah. Yeah. So you can, you know, cite Rupa Goswami's verse, the first verse of Upadeshamrita, says the guru has to have control of anger. So, and 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 the idea there it seems to be in the in the in the statement that you're citing that there's some other way to control anger than spiritual practice. There may be, there's anger management and this and that and the other thing, but spiritual practice is certainly about that. Hmm? It's about experiencing that I'm different from the body and the, and, and the body-mind you know, composite. And anger is part of that body-mind um, composite, to be controlled by anger, to be controlled by the tongue. It's about rising above those things and not being controlled by them. So the statement seems to imply that, 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 that transcendental pursuit, spiritual practice, sadhana, in itself is insufficient as a means for rising above anger. That's ludicrous. Hmm? It's a, it's a more comprehensive approach than anger management. Now, somebody may not be able to take that comprehensive approach and effectively apply themselves mm, due to their conditioning in a way that they can 
derive the desired result and may get help from anger management or this or that, relatively speaking, in regard to this example. There's a place for that. Hmm? You can, you know, plug into the 12 steps over here and then, you know, come to the kirtan. So that, that, then there'd be a place for that. Hmm? But if you are well-informed and um, your faith well-informed from the scriptural argument and so forth and so on, you can fully apply yourself in spiritual practice, then you should be able to fully transcend those uh, types of uh, symptoms, really, of material existence. If there are symptoms of material existence in someone, then you can understand them. It's not fully transcendentally situated. Then again, you know, you had to sort of that. Someone could be very angry and using their temper. How's that for an answer? <laughs> yeah. Um, emotional energy. Um, are we is it, is emotional energy meant or the generation of emotional energy is it meant to be regulated or and by regulated I mean dictated or authoritated by us or are we meant to let our emotional energy um, produce completely as it does and we're just and we're meant to let it flow meaning like for me um i sort of struggle to have a um healthy relationship with my emotional energy like i acknowledge the significance and importance of emotional energy you know it's through emotional energy that we sometimes receive revelations realizations and clarity insight about ourselves or our life or our truth or path but and it's a necessary component to our being, emotional energy, the energy of our emotions. But <clears throat> sometimes I feel my emotional energy is sometimes an opponent to me, or that I'm meant to. Yeah, it needs to be harnessed, you know. And then, and so, you know, you have your mental, emotional life, and you then you have your intelligence too. So your mental, emotional life, for example, you get feelings like I might feel. This feels good. I should do it. Right? Your emotional energy may dictate, this feels good. And if it feels good, do it. But your intelligence may say, mm, but it's not good for me. It may feel good, but it might not be good for me. You ever had that experience? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of cool. Yeah. So, in a material hierarchy, intelligence is above the mental emotional experience, in 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 a sense that it's meant to regulate it. Hmm? And so, so that your emotional life is not a is not a problem for you. So there's a place for monitoring it uh, to some extent, and 
there's a place for it as 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 well. Hmm? Sometimes we can know, just materially speaking, we can know intuitively and emotionally about something and even solve a problem better than we can through intellect. That's also possible. Um, but as I'm saying, there's also the side where mental and emotional uh, uh, energy or emotional feelings seem to be dictating to us that something would be good for us, but we can know with our own intelligence that it's not. And therefore, we, and therefore we should regulate that. We should bring it in grips, uh, get a grip on it. And then you channel your emotional energy into, into spiritual practice. Hmm? Give your heart to the practice. That's intelligent. So you can think, oh, I have feelings, where shall I channel them? Hmm, uh, let me focus them here. So, um, so when it comes to, so essentially, like all, for instance, like when I feel the emotional energy of disappointment, and it could be like self-disappointment, maybe I've disappointed myself, or someone's disappointed me by their actions, like I acknowledge that emotional energy I acknowledge and I'm aware of it, but I feel that me doing that perpetuates and continues the generation of the energy, which is where like the dysfunction comes with um, my relationship with emotional energy. Like, okay, do I allow this emotional energy to um, come up in me, or do I, when I feel it surging, do I, you know, dictate and authoritate and say I'm not going to acknowledge this emotional energy of disappointment or this emotional energy of trauma. I'm not going to allow it to generate. I'm going to regulate it and... Yeah, there's a place for that, and there's a place for following your emotions, too. Hmm? And casting, uh, thinking to the wind. Hmm? Emotions might say, I should love Krishna. And the mind may say, intelligence may say, I don't know if he exists. You should throw that out. (laughs) So it's the opposite there. So, so different answers, different circumstances. All right, so we'll stop there. Shri Shri Gaurana Madhava Ki Jai. Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Or Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai.